You're listening to Make Believe Heroes, the origin of Lorik Darkbolt, High Elf Wizard, and heir to the Elder Conclave of Venthaven. Believe Heroes, an actual play, 5th edition, Dungeons and Dragons podcast. You suck at this. I'm your Dungeon Master, Jeremy. What? And I'm here with a few of my friends. Welcome to the Dimension X. <laughs> my name is Paul, and I play Halifel. I'm Taylor, and I play Mira. I'm Jeffrey, and I play Servant... Oh. Not that. <laughs> JK, I play Hillies. Hillies. Say that again? Hillies. Hillies. <laughs> he plays Hillies. He's, he's Hillies. <laughs> he's Hillies. All right. So for all you people who are still here, who haven't shut it off yet, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to play a game of D&D. We're going to tell you a story that we've yet to tell. Way before there was ever a vision of a tree with a stone, there's a certain district in the city of Venthaven. Mm-hmm. Let's just say it's a little bit more elevated than the normal districts in the city. There's probably more than a few of these tall standing lamps with blue fire. Blue. All down the street, there's these mansions lining the sides. They're spaced out pretty well. Large gardens all the way around them. But around the houses, down the streets, you'll see these huge carved lanterns and they have a blue fire burning in them you all have seen this several times you've walked these streets you've been to the house of lord darkbolt more than once usually you go through the back entrance but tonight i need you paul Mm. first and foremost it's a saturday it's late Mm. the last time you saw lorik was class on friday he was his normal stoic quiet self set off to the side not abnormal, close to the front of the class, but you hear something in your mind. A real quick, almost itching of magic mm. touch your presence, and you hear a voice, real quiet, calm. You hear Lorik say, Halifel, I need you to come to my house immediately. Make sure to come through the back door. Are you in my head again, Lorik? What did I tell you about staying out of my head? Goodness. All right, to the back door, I'll be right there. You feel the magic leave you. Where is Halifel on a Saturday night? Halifel is likely in a nice restaurant. Oh, so you're just going to leave your food and go? Well, no. (laughs) Uh, Halifel is going to kind of signal for this waitress that he's been talking up since he got there. She comes over to his table. He's like, please, the check, please. I I have some urgent business I need to take care of. Thank you very much. The meal has been divine. You're leaving so soon? I'm sorry, dear, but I, I must go immediately. I, Halifel! Don't worry, I'll be back as soon as I can. Don't worry. Oh, well, must, my shift's almost over. I won't you, forget about you, I promise. You'll bring the carriage? Of course. You can count on me, and he winks. She giddily uh, takes the check and wanders off. Okay, I pull out some gold, obviously more, way more, honestly, than I would need to pay for my meal, and I grab the last scallop that's sitting there, wipe it in the sauce, pop it in my mouth, and take off out the door toward Lorik's house. Okay. 
So you head towards the nicer district of the city. Of course. Jeffrey, you feel an itching as you recognize magic touching your mind. I scratch my head. Then you hear Lorik's voice. Calm. Maybe a little, little rushed. Hillies, I need you to come to my house. Make sure you go through the back door. I don't need anybody to see you. Don't want anybody to see me. Everybody's going to see me one day. Student athletes stay grounded 24-7. I love it. I'm sure whatever you said was stupid. Make sure no one sees you. Halifel should be coming out of the restaurant district or something. Make sure you get him. Whatever. Jeffrey, where you at? Where do you think a student athlete is? On a Saturday night, you tell me. Practicing. We stay practicing 24-7. Shooting my bow. Oh, boy. Archery team. <laughs> this guy. I even joined that there. Watch him a jig. Phi Delta Beta Kappa Yo Gabba Gabba. <laughs> Yo Gabba Gabba. I already know who my brothers are. <laughs> You're fired. All right, Taylor. You feel an itch as magic touches your mind. And you hear Lord's voice. Mm-hmm. Mira. I need you to come to my house as soon as possible. Halifel and Hillies are on their way, and they're going to need someone, you know, calm to help me. Lark, you've got to stop doing this. You know I'm busy. It's Saturday night. What do you need? I'm sure that you are trying to argue with me, but I can't hear you. So I need you to come to my house as soon as possible, or else you may never see me again. Sounds... Okay. Foreboding. All right. Where are you at? I am at a tavern, and I've had a couple glasses of wine, and I'm sitting there studying mm. uh, books that I've taken from the library. That's what I do on Saturdays. Mm. Mm-hmm. She's not a student athlete, but she stays grinding. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have a 4.0. I hate this guy. Mira, you step out of the cerulean stag onto the streets of Haven. You wait just a moment, and you see Halifel. Step around the corner. Paul, describe your character. Halifel is tall-ish for a half-elf, 6'3"-ish, but he has a very slender build, but muscular, wiry in a way. He weighs about 180 pounds, but he doesn't look like it. He looks thinner than that. He has a nice tan skin color, green eyes, and blonde hair that is always kept in like a pompadour, like shaved really close on the sides and a big poofy pompadour on top. He's wearing very, very nice proper dress robes, probably black with a little bit of bluish silvery threading throughout. And across his back, he has a black canvas case on a strap across his back, and within is a flute that he keeps with him at all times. Nice. He's walking with his hands in his pockets, his cape. You know, he's wearing like a dress. Well, not a cape, but it's like a a long jacket, like a blazer sort of deal that goes down past his knees. Yep. And he's got his hands in his pockets with a smirk on his face as he's walking somewhat briskly, but not hurrying too much down the street. Mm-hmm. So, Paul, you, you turn the corner, and you see mm-hmm. Mira standing there. Taylor. Okay. Describe your character. Okay, so I'm about five foot ten. I have strawberry blonde hair, fair-skinned, with nice. green eyes, and I'm wearing uh, khaki pants with an olive green shirt with a cover over that that matches my Okay. So, like a vest? No, like a um, a cardigan. Cardigan, a, cool. A, a cardigan that matches the pants. I dig it. Yeah. No one knows what a cardigan is. Halifel 
immediately spots you up ahead, and he picks up his pace, kind of skipping a little bit towards you. Does she notice me? Yes. She okay. saw you. That's why you described yourself. Mira, how are you? Hey, Hal. I'm, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing much better now that you're with me. Are, are you busy? I mean, There's a I'm... couple of restaurants just around the block. We could grab a drink, maybe, and some meals. Yeah, we, we could do that. Um, I was actually heading to Lark's. He had done that thing he did again. You uh, know, how he does. Yes, yes. I received the same message. I had plans tonight, but... Well, I suppose we should make our way over there as soon as possible, if you'd like to join me. Yes, of course. Lead the way. Let's go. They head down the street. It's a beautiful night. Not a cloud in the sky. And you walk past the college that you both currently attend. It is gorgeous. Literally, there is magic flowing through the streets of the city. That blue mm-hmm. flame that lights these lanterns. Also, it'll light up like sections of the house or buildings. Some of them are slightly levitating off the ground with the amount of energy going through them. If you look up, some of the wizard's towers are separated in sections to where you couldn't reach certain levels if you didn't know certain spells. They're all intricately woven together. Colors are primarily silver, blue, white stones. It's grand. It's rich. It looks like the whole thing is... uh, I want to see how would you say it. It looks like a city. It's like buildings. It's like buildings, and some of them are floating. (laughs) Oh my gosh. There are buildings, and some of them are separated. Halfway up, there's just an empty space of air that if you didn't know how to levitate, you wouldn't be able to make it up to the grander entrance 50 feet higher than the rest of the building. There's large, open promenades of stone where students can play games. There's the archery field is probably 100 yards in the sky. You're walking through this Mm -hmm. and coming down from one of those high buildings, you see a halfling. Jeffrey, describe your character. How am I coming down? (laughs) You tell me. How are you coming down? On a magic carpet. Jumping. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, He's just doing somersaults through the air. Teachers and different people that are like student workers and stuff would be on hand to cast Featherfall and Levitate for people that need to access the field that can't cast those spells. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, because I guarantee that they didn't take Featherfall where Jeffrey's at. Never. So you're Featherfalling your way down, I guess. I'm jumping down. Are you jumping down with Featherfall or no? Every single day, I always (laughs) jump. You don't jump at opportunities... You're never going to make it. This guy. Student athletes always grinding. <laughs> I can't. Always. R.I.P. Grandma. <laughs> oh, my God. Featherfall is waiting on me. Are you falling oh like gosh. you're... Jump straight down. Look out below. Oh. Are you, like, skydiving? Are you flying? What are you doing? Like a dive. Are you flipping? Okay, str- you straight down. Arms straight down. But slowly. And you see a... Halfling, about three five. Three five. Pretty, actually, pretty tall for a halfling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Student athletes. I have dark, dark, dark brown hair. Cool. And it's a mullet. Oh, yes, it is. Please. Are you really? Business in the front, party in the back. Thank you oh, wait. for that. Oh, wait. <laughs> Student in the front, athlete in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just point this out. Halflings don't normally have mustaches. 
Mm -hmm. But I totally have a full, thick mustache. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Hang on. Hang on. Before mm -hmm. we roll any dice, mm -hmm. I got to roll this giant d20. You probably should. I'm going to. I mean, it's a little late. Natural zero. It's a natural 20. Oh, my gosh. It's a natural 20. Are you serious? It's a natural mm. 20. It really well, is. Well, it's a good thing none of these characters are supposed to last past one episode because we're all dead. <laughs> that is definitely true. <laughs> oh... My skin's very ruddy. It looks like I'm blushing all the time. Mm. And I always have a cheeky grin on my face. Cheeky. All the time. And basically I have these light blue pants that are rolled up on my calf. Mm. No shoes. Barefoot. I have leather armor, so I guess that would be under my clothes. Sure. It's like a jerkin. And I got a red shirt. And then, I, of course, you will see my quiver full of arrows and my bow which is beautiful are your arrows falling out because you skydived no are you sure positive all right Halifel i've done this many times and mira you see that floating down to you oh good lord tell me that loric didn't summon this fool to go with us <laughs> it appears that he has he has got a soft spot for this halfling i'm not sure why he's so annoying Oh, yeah, I know, but looks like it's something we're going to have to deal with. About that time, he's within earshot now. What are you guys doing, brothers? Hey! Uh, greetings, Healy's. Phi, Delta, Beta, Kappa, Alpha, Gabba, Yo, Gabba. Right. I'm not, I don't believe that's right. You still haven't <laughs> even memorized your own fraternity. Uh, we're brothers either way. Oh, so you finally learned to cast a spell, uh, Featherfall looked like. Oh, that's all me, Totally. Impressive. I'm, I didn't believe that you had it in you, if I'm being honest, but you seem to have come a long way, Healy's. Yeah, stay great. grounded. Now let's get on with this. Halifel rolls his eyes so hard. Wow. Just wow. Okay, so you take off walking together, right? You make it towards the somewhat gated community. There's like a, a large gate that could be closed. You notice that it's open. You're walking through. You're cool. coming down the main drag towards the house, Dark Bolt. You can see the Dark Bolt Tower in the sky. As you're going forward, you're coming up to a massive mansion. You've all seen it several times. It's a large compound. Three or four large buildings. At the very center, there's a single black tower that's levitating probably 20 or 30 feet off the ground with blue energy underneath of it. You literally can walk under it. Now, as you get closer, you start to notice carriages. Lots of them. You see some impressive horses. A couple that may or may not actually be Pegasus. You are getting closer, getting closer, and you can hear the sounds of, like, there's a party going on. And, let's see... Alifel, yes. roll me an insight check. I'll do that. I'm very insightful. I rolled a nine total. That's not very insightful. It is not. You know there's something of a party going on. It's obviously at the Dark Bolt Manor. Seems that perhaps there's a party here tonight. Wonder where my invitation was. That's probably because nobody likes you. Halifel darts his eyes at him and grits his teeth a little bit. And he says, oh, Hillies, you always have the best jokes. Oh, no. You're hilarious. I facepalm and say, well, obviously he wanted us here. He did summon us all. Correct me if I'm wrong, but did he not say that we should make ourselves 
scarce and come in through the back door. Oh, At least that's yeah, what he, he told did. me. He did, yeah. Not be seen by his father. Yeah, that's right. But yeah. I mean, does that really matter? Well, if, if I'm being honest, and well, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with mixing with uh, high society, but his father really is such... Well, I don't know how to put it in correct terms to speak in front of a lady such as yourself, Mira. <laughs> he sucks, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, a little bit arrogant. He's a weasel. He is annoying. But Lorik, he, he seems to be. I like Lorik. Let's make our way over there, shall we? Um, discreetly, and I want to roll a perception check to see what's the easiest, yeah, what's the best path for us to make toward the back door that we would obviously know. Why don't you all... Roll perception checks. I rolled a six. Natural 20. Did you Excellent. Really? Yep. Thank, thank God, because I rolled a six. I rolled a 19. Oh, well done. It's my first roll with my rainbow dice, by the way. Well done. Hillies, you know the back way. You know the way in. You've been through that way several times, mm-hmm. mainly because Lorik's father's not too fond of you, perhaps? As in, like, he's probably told you to go away and never come back and that you have no business hanging out with his son. Backwoods country. Odds are he's definitely not a fan of your culture. That's what I'm talking about. Or lack thereof. Halifel goes walking towards the front gate where there's obviously several elvish guards standing. Oh boy. And, uh, Hillies, you know that, one, you better stop him. Two, that there is a way to get under Darkbolt Manor, but it's kind of through the sewer. I shoot him with... A bow. <laughs> <laughs> Roll it. No, no, I don't. <laughs> oh, my. Mira, same story. You have come out of the secret entrance at least once before, but that was probably because Lork was sneaking out and didn't want his father to know. Ow. Ow. Yes. What? This way. Right you are. I was... Maybe I had a little too much to drink. Maybe you're not as smart as you think you are. <laughs> 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 that certainly can't be it. That's not it. Let me. But I still need you to do my homework for me later. So. Halifel <laughs> <laughs> turns and he starts heading in the right direction. And now, if if it's okay, I want to go ahead and roll a stealth check to try and be sneaky. Go ahead. Me too. Everybody give me them stealth checks. That is a 25. Would this be considered a group check? Yeah, that's probably the best way to do it. I got an 8. <laughs> oh, boy. I have an 18 on the dice. I don't... Excellent. Mira pulling it out. Yes. Get it. Yo. Plus two. I got a not natural 20. So you realize that your little halfling friend there is like talking way too loud. And he reaches down and he goes over underneath one of the carriages. And he grabs one of the cobblestones and starts trying to push it back and forth. Okay. It's it's really weird. Mira, you, you've probably seen this before. But it's like making a whole bunch of noise. And then all of a sudden it like clicks and pops and there's like a blue flame shoots up for just just a split second. And then there's a hole that opens up in the ground right underneath that carriage. Is this the way that we're supposed to go? What do you think I'm doing, you idiots? I jumped down the hole. Okay, so (laughs) I follow. Is this some sort of a secret? All right, well, okay, here we go. And Hal (laughs) squats down and crawls over. Does he smell anything? It's a little dank down there. Oh, good Lord. Prevalian, bless me. And he slides <laughs> into the hole. Hilly, you're falling. It's real quick. 
and then you hit something wet. Splash. Delicious. <laughs> the other two come down. They didn't just jump, so they're gonna they're gonna land on a ledge, and you're just kind of standing in ankle deep, stinky water. This is the sewer. We are in the sewer of Vinthaven. Oh gosh. Haven't you ever been in his house before? Uh, not this way. This is the way in. Whenever he says this is the way in, you hear a low rumble. Oh. No, no, we don't. It's Indiana Jones. It's not a growl, right? It's just like a. It's a rumble. Okay. Oh, you know exactly what it is. You know that that magic fires through these tunnels every so often to purify them. You're pretty sure that in one direction you look way off in the distance that it, it looks kind of like it's starting to glow blue a little bit. Hal says, run, and he takes off full speed in the opposite direction of that light. And he's yelling back to Helis. Helis, tell me that you know there's an exit out of here quickly. We have to get out of these. This is where the magic burns, the sewage. Is it the other way? He is running in the correct direction. Okay. But he's about to pass the secret door. Uh, oh, hold up. Oh, you're going too fast. You're too far. <laughs> it, I'm running. Okay, I turn back. I, I'm looking. I'm looking for the door. I'm looking for the door. Roll perception. That's a 15. A natural 20. Oh. Oh, it's a good thing there's three of you here. 15 on the dice plus four, so Dude, 19. That's my second nice. natural 20 already. Yeah, hopefully you can get some when we really need it. When we get into a combat and we're yeah. about to die, natural ones. All that ones. Hillies runs up and his hand like disappears into the wall. Yes. And he's like fiddling around, moving around, moving around. And Mira comes up beside him and goes, shows him the correct way to do it. And it's like the wall pushes in and then slides up really fast. And there's a clear hallway in front of you. Hal is trying to keep his composure, but... And I pull them in. Come on, Hal. Let's go. We've got to get there. I'm, like, pushing through the door. Like, I can't... I, I got to get out of this sewer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so as soon as you three clear the door, you see that the, the doorway is starting to close. But there's still an awful lot of blue light coming your direction. It's not going down quick enough? Correct. Can we, can we speed this door down? It needs to shut quickly. What do you do? Grab it. I try to push it down. Give me a strength check. Oh, boy. The light is getting brighter. It's bad. It's real bad. It's a six. It's a six? Okay, you see him jump up, and he grabs a hold of it, and he's just hanging there. Help me. I jump on as well to try to help, so. Strength checks. <laughs> We're so strong. Actually, that's just an eight. Just an eight? Uh, how you feel a halfling jump onto the back of your leg? I got a 13. Got a 13? 13. Yeah. The two guys are, like, jumping on it, and then Mira walks up and puts one hand and, like, really swiftly just jerks downward, and you two, like, land face first just as you see a little flicker of blue flame fly underneath the doorway, and then it clicks and it's shut. Hal gets up, dusts himself off, checks his palms and his knees to make sure none of his, he's not bleeding and none of his clothes have been ripped, and he looks over at Healy's and he says, Do me a favor, Healy's. Next time you're going to take us into a sewer... Could you ensure that our lives won't be about to be extinguished by fire the moment that we land inside said sewer, perhaps? I mean, is that too much to ask? Roll your pants up and keep your composure next time. So you all three feel that itching sensation you felt mm -hmm. earlier tonight? And Lork's voice comes through and goes, Um, guys, this is really uncomfortable. I need you to come down here. Are you kidding me? All this stuff, I mean, do you even know what we just went through? Where are you? Can you can you see what we're doing? Or do you just are you just gonna talk to us like this? Can he even hear us, Mira? Do you know what magic is? And then you hear Lorik <laughs> say, Really, 
if you all do not come down to my tool room, there's something here that's about to kill me, and I need your help. Kill you? Well, sounds like we might should hurry. Let's make our way quickly. You don't sound very in danger. Healy's, please, lead the way quickly. It seems that our friend might be in some danger, and we should check. Give me a survival check, Jeffrey. That's a nine. Taylor, you can roll one, too. I'm rolling on it. 17. Well done. Thanks. You're underneath Dark Bolt Manor. Now, these are like, I guess you would say, the servants' passages that kind of go from one compound house to the other. You go underneath what is obviously the main ballroom. You hear voices above you. It sounds like hundreds of people. You hear music, you hear a piano, you hear a harpsichord. You travel quite a distance, and then you come to an intersection. There's three different directions. The halfling starts going down the wrong one. Mira, you know the way to where Lorik was talking about. Mm-hmm. His room Yeah, is to the right. Okay, to the right. Guys, it's this way. This is, I, I know this is the way that we need to go. I don't trust you. Well, you should. I don't understand what you're doing. Healy's. Please, listen. You lead the way, Mira. Yeah, just follow me. I, I know, know the I know the way down there. I believe you. I believe... I, actually, you know what? I'm pretty sure, Hillies, that these these hallways both lead the same way. This is actually just a more appropriate and sneaky way, and I'd like to roll deception. Roll it. Ooh, that's a 19 plus, I think, 8. Yeah, that's a 27. Woo, woo. Yeah, give me a wisdom saving throw, Jeffrey. It's a 10 plus whatever, so... I was just making sure it wasn't a natural 20. Mm. You... Go down the correct path. You go a, a distance, and you start to notice weird things when you're in this hallway. So you all know that the city is powered by, it's lit up by, it levitates by this magic, this blue, fiery, spiritual energy just soaring through these. I guess you could talk about them like they're pipes, but uh, they're clear, they're round. It's probably more like multiple crystal balls set up side by side by side by side by side by side by side. Like, just thousands of them. And as you're going down this hallway, you notice that in several places, there has been chunks of the wall that have been, like, tore out that has exposed these pops. And you see a whole bunch of little bitty tiny pops or wires or those tiny crystals lined up, and they go straight into a doorway up ahead of you. So, you go walking in. All of you have been here before. You've never come in this way. Well, Hal has never come in this way. You go into a workshop, and in this room, there's several lanterns from the ceiling. There's all kinds of arcane implements along the walls. There's tons of these little lines that have ran from these main pipelines of magical energy into the room. They swirl around the floor, and they're all tied into this large standing something covered in a black cloth in front of you. It's about seven foot tall four foot wide, and there's a big, heavy black mantle laying over top of it. Just as you clear the threshold, you hear a deep, guttural growl. Oh, snap. What is it? Everybody roll a d20. I got a seven. (laughs) Nineteen, baby. Wow, that dies. Eleven. I love these dice. I'm never (laughs) using any others ever. (laughs) You heard that low, guttural growl. And what you can see before you is basically an empty room with a large object covered in black in the center with tons of magical energy being pulled towards it, right? Is it like a cage that it's covered or like what What do you mean? Well, you're there and you heard that growl and then it's like you hear the growl get really close really fast and everybody roll 
initiative. That's a 13 for me, for Halifel. That's 10. 11. Okay, Hal, you hear that growl get much closer. It's very strange. You have six seconds to respond. I just hear it getting closer? Oh, yeah. So then I use vicious mockery. I don't have to see it. It just has to be able to hear me. Okay, do it. Whatever this thing is that's coming toward me, I say, whatever you are, beast, you don't know who you're messing with, but I guarantee you're not prepared for this. And he has to make, whatever it is, has to make a wisdom saving throw. That's a nine on the die, so he only got a ten. He needs a 14, so he takes two psychic damage, and he has disadvantage on his next attack roll. Do you do anything else? Can I point out which direction it sounds like it's coming from? Oh, behind you. Okay, well, I'll step forward, put the halfling between me and the noise, and just looking around the room for something that might point out what's happening. Do I see Lark anywhere? You do not see Lark anywhere. Okay. Mira, does a 14 hit your AC? Yeah, uh, it's a 12, it hits it. I need you to roll me 1d6, add 1 to it, and take that much damage. Oh, snap. I rolled a 2, so 3. 3 damage. Three damage. So, Hal says what he says, steps forward, which puts him between the halfling and Mira, and Mira, suddenly, you feel a pair of jaws just latch down on the back of your leg. Ow, what is that? You, like, jerk and look over your shoulder. Do I see it? Oh, yes. There's this yellow dog. It's a little bit bigger than a normal dog. It's got blue eyes, and it's, like, blue glowing eyes. It's got, you know how a pit bull has really tall standing ears? Mm-hmm. It's like that. They've not been clipped. If anything, they're a little bit longer than that. There's, like, spikes coming off of uh, the back of the, the bend of its legs. Okay, so I'm going to cast Firebolt. Roll it. Ha! I got a five. Uh, <laughs> so plus five you point your wand at it mm-hmm. suddenly pull it out mm-hmm. and you're still a little shaken and surprised mm-hmm. and you go to shoot a firebolt at it mm-hmm. and you shoot right over the top of its head mm-hmm. and the fire just goes back down the hallway fabulous you do anything else i run backwards away from the direction that it is in okay so this thing's like right up on you Mm-hmm. So, if you go to move away, though, I'm going to roll an opportunity attack against you. You try to run. He rolled a seven, so you're good. How close is it? He's over right next to Mira, so like ten feet away. I'm just going to jump back and draw my bow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do That's it. all I got on me because I've been practicing my shooting. That's a 13. That's a hit. Ooh. Excellent. Roll that damage. Hal sees him grabbing his bow and he yells out, shoot the dog. <laughs> That's nine damage. Nine damage. Nine? The dog howls and, like, jerks its head around and looks at you as an arrow just plunges into its back legs. How? You're the one who stepped the farthest into the room, yeah? That's correct. And you're yelling, shoot the dog, right? That is accurate. Okay. Does a 18 hit your armor class? Of course it does. (laughs) Then roll 1d6 and add 1 to it. It's 5. So you yell that? And from around the black thing that is covered in the center of the room had stepped another dog, has ran up and bit you on the back. Right on your hip, you feel it bite onto you and, like, try to rip a piece off. Mm. There's two of these guys in the room. The first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to say, Hillies, you're doing great work. Keep it up like that and you'll have these things defeated in no time. We can handle these fools and give him a bardic inspiration die. Ooh. Oh, boy. 1d6 that you can add to 
basically any d20 roll. That's my bonus action. Then I'm going to reach around to my left hip with my right hand and pull out a rapier. And I'm going to try and stick it into the face of this dog that just bit me. Back, you foul beast. And that is a natural 20, boys. Oh, my gosh. And lady, natural. So that is a critical (laughs) hit. Roll that damage. I shall roll two d8s, I do believe. And you're hitting the one closest to you, yes? Yes, the one that bit me. That's the one I'm aiming for. Beautiful. Oh, quite good. A seven and a six. That is 13 plus three. That's 16 damage. Right to its stupid face. It yelps and whimpers in pain. I don't like dogs that bite. What did you hit it with again? A rapier. Stabbed it. You stabbed it. Stabby stab it. So you actually put out one of its eyes when you did that. Oh, yes. I love it. The dog who is in front of Mira, he's going to flex its front legs, like get a little closer to the ground. It it heard that that yelp across the room. It's like there's a, a quick blue flash, and it disappears. And then it reappears right next to you, Hal. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. And he's going to try to bite you. I hate dogs that bite, I said. Well, he rolled a three, so that's only six. So I just kind of pull my arm out of the way. He bites air. Mira, there's two dogs trying to eat Hal. Okay, so should I use magic missile? If you would like. Okay, yeah. I want to uh, go after the one that's least hurt. Let's roll some damage. Okay, so 3d4s? 3d4s and add one to every roll. Uh, I got a four, five. Okay. That's five. Eight. Beautiful. Eleven. Awesome. So Mm. she holds up her wand and three glowing darts appear and shoot across the room. What does it look like when you kill this dog? My wand glows a bright green color and it casts in its direction. And when it does, I say, leave my friend alone. Three darts vanish into the dog. It starts to glow that blue color again for just a second, and then it just lays down on the ground. Where is Lorik, and why are these things in his tool room trying to kill us? Achilles. So I see the other dog die, and yep, out from my pants I pull a hand crossbow. Back where I come from, we always keep a heater on us. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Did you say a heater? Yeah. It's a heater. That's a... Uh, 26. Whoa. Not going to need that inspiration I gave you. Nailed it. Roll that damage. That's eight damage. A crossbow bolt slams into the front leg of this dog. It's still not dead. It yelps in pain. So when I see that I hit its leg, obviously I'm a better aim with my longbow. I'm going to run towards it. Okay. And kick it in the face. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. And here we go. <laughs> what do you, it's what? a seven total. <laughs> Use that bardic inspiration. I have bardic inspiration. Oh, roll that. Roll d d6. Pray for a six. Three plus four is seven. Uh-huh. Plus two. <laughs> is, Nine. You guys see Hilly's run across the room and uh-huh. swing his foot. As hard as he can. I mean, he's just going to knock this thing out, and he flat out misses. Oh, man. What are you doing? The dog is going to teleport behind you. Oh, God. And it's going to try to take a bite out of you. Oh. That's a 13 on the dice. Yes. <laughs> Does it miss? That ain't going to do it. Silly dog. He misses. Lorik, if these are your pets, I'm sorry, but they're not going to make it. We're about to exterminate them, and I'm going to... <laughs> 
step forward and try and plunge my rapier into its heart. That is a crappy roll. It is only an eight. Uh, guess what? Unfortunately, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to kill this dog specifically. Please, someone else, kill this dog, please. please. <laughs> Mira, it's your turn. Okay, so uh, how close am I to this dog? Uh, Probably 15 feet, maybe more like 10. Okay. It's not huge in here. I'm going to cast Firebolt. Oh, my God. What'd you roll? I got a two. Here Wait, come the bad but, rolls. But plus what? <laughs> what plus is five, my, right? Uh, let's see. Hold on. What it's, is, a, it's a seven. It's a seven. <laughs> yeah, got that. Got Yeah, seven. Do you want to do anything else? So I'm 10 feet away from it, and mm-hmm. it just saw me miss Firebolt at it, so it's going to run at me, yeah? Uh, friends, be my friends. I'm trying to take care of you maybe guys. Maybe in a moment, but it's Hill's turn. Like it, its attention is going to turn towards you as you flick fire past it, and you set one of the tables on fire in the room. And I can't like move any further than that. I mean, I can move out of the way, but like, sure, how far out of the way can I get? You know, I think your speed's. Like... Um, is there like any chairs or tables I can or anything I can get behind? Absolutely. Uh, okay, it's so it's a cluttered room. It's so full of stuff. I duck behind it like a, a a cabinet. Mira's trying to get some cover, guys. Yeah, I'm trying to get some cover. The dog is is fully focusing on her. What do you do? Stay still, you made you mutt. <laughs> gonna kick it. You're gonna try to kick it again. I, it again. I want to kick this dog. Here we go. <laughs> Healy's, how do you expect to kill it with kicks? Oh gosh, he's not going to. It's a 22. All right, so that's that's like open-handed damage. It's like one three damage. damage. Oh, you do three damage when you hit with an arm strike. Three damage. One plus your strength. Okay, get this madness. Three damage is exactly what he needed to kill. <laughs> so what does he do? Like kick one of the bolts that he'd already shot into it? I mean, he has to. He had to like. He, he probably kicks the one in the rear end just into its body. Yes. Oh boy. It, it whelps With and the yells in pain. Foot. Oh gosh. And it shakes for just a moment, and then it, it's dead. Yeah. Hal stands there looking dumbfounded. He scratches his head and says, "Well, Hillies, I stand corrected. I guess you did kill it with a kick." I'd- yeah, we. It's. No problem, man. I come out from behind the the little cabinet that I was hiding behind, and I'm like, thanks, man. That was I awesome. I pick up my crossbow bolt and my arrow out of the dog and wipe them on my shirt. Oh, no. wow. <laughs> Hal scans the room, and he says, Lorik, tell me that you're in here, Lorik, please. While we're standing there, I also look, go ahead and load my crossbow back up and put it back in my pants. That's sanitary. Yeah, this shirt wasn't red when I bought it. (laughs) Healy's, you are absolutely disgusting. You feel that itch touch all of your minds at about the same time. And Lork's voice comes through. Yeah, I'm in the room. Try not to laugh too much. So you start looking around. Where's this Mm -hmm. boyo? And you hear something moving. Okay. Over back on top of one of the tables behind the big black thing in the center of the room. Okay. The covered thing. You walk around the thing that's covered. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this workshop is full of stuff. Stuff everywhere. But over there on a table, you're pretty sure you see a badger. A badger? Yep. You're looking at a <laughs> full-grown badger sitting on a table. Oh, gosh. But it's sitting not how a badger sits. Like a lark sits? <laughs> it kind of takes one hand and weirdly tries to scratch at its face a little bit. 
Hal is walking toward it with his rapier drawn. Let's say I draw my bow. And looks like dinner's served. Some sort of vermin. <laughs> Very quickly, you you get that itching sensation. If you shoot me or stab me, you will live to regret it. You need to figure <laughs> out how to get me out of this state. What do we look like, wizards? I feel like you're being cagey, Lorik. Are you trying to say, and just be clear, that you are, in fact, this badger before us? The magic comes back this time. Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> how did you get yourself into this mess? <laughs> <laughs> My father will hear you, and you'll be a badger oh, if you're not careful. Goodness gracious, Lorik. You're a badger. <laughs> the badger kind of, like, oh. turns away from you and walks back on the table a little bit and then, like, mm -hmm. stands up on its back legs and tries to cross its arms. Mm -hmm. And then it can't, so it falls back and it, like, just scoots and growls at you a little bit. Come on. You don't understand. We have to hurry. Mira... My dear, please, tell me that you have some sort of a spell that can return Lorik to his former glory. I don't believe that I do. I don't... I, uh, <laughs> I've been learning a lot about magic in college. Yes. In my classes. I believe you. So, Lorik, what do you think? Do you think we should allow uh, Heelys to turn you back into your elven form? I'd rather not be turned into something worse. Okay, well, do you have any suggestions? Because I don't have any sort of spell or knowledge of a spell that could turn you back into a, to an elf. How did you wind up in this state in the first place? My dad did it. But if you look at this book right here and turn to page... I can't turn the pages. Hal, come over here and turn the pages. Hal walks over there and the sort of cocky, laughing demeanor that he had before has instantly faded. He steps over to the book here, let me, let me help you. Show me where it is. He starts flipping through the pages. Keep going to the right, a little, a little further to the right. Flipping and slow flipping. down, slow down, slow down. Right, mm -hmm. that, that's it right there. So, Mira, you're you're gonna have to cast a spell. I made that wand for you. I think it is enchanted in just a way that you might be able to break a polymorph. I guess we'll see. Okay, so what is it you need me to do? Here, just read the spell. Okay, yeah, so... Okay, so I need you to roll a d20. Okay. What do I add to this? Your arcana. It's an 8 plus 5, so 13. That's mm -hmm. good. You get a general idea of how you could reverse this, but you get the feeling that you're going to need a little bit more magic than what you normally use. Guys, I think I can do this, but I'm not, I'm not really 100% sure on... This is quite an advanced spell. Have you have you done magic of this caliber in the past, or is this? Um, this is new for me. I think that would be new for all of us. Oh, but Mira, you have such talent. I mean, Mira, that thing that's covered behind you—if you just walk over and put your hand on it, okay. Whenever you cast a spell, like at exactly the same moment you go to cast a spell, it'll work. Put my hand on the object behind me. What what object? The covered object? Yes. The, oh, okay. Just right on the mantle. Just okay. Put yeah. a hand out. Okay, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll I'll do that. So I walk over and I put my hand on the on the object. And just after your hand touches it, he goes, "Oh, it might hurt a bit." Right as the Thanks. pain racks your body. Everything that you have sent us to do has hurt us. You get a little jolt. You know what it's like when you touch an electric fence or something like that. And you go to cast this spell. Uh, roll me another d20 and add your arcana to it. That would be a twenty altogether. Nice. So 
blue energy literally flies from your hand that's touching the object through your body and out of the wand. It smacks the badger sitting on the table, <laughs> which flies backwards into the room, and you hear a, oh, goodness, Mira, you really need to work on that. And standing up, dusting himself off, is an elf, one that you recognize. A red-haired, green-eyed elf, very slender. He's wearing fine, golden, and red robes. Dang. Dressed to the nines. He stands up. He brushes himself off. He walks up and goes, Hal, I knew that we wouldn't be able to find this spell without you. Hal steps over him real quickly as you're addressing him. He just kind of pats Mira on the shoulder and says, You did quite well, Mira. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. Did anybody see you guys come in? No. Nobody saw a thing. We came through the sewers and was almost burnt. Hillies, I'm glad. The last time you came here, I was an owl for a week. We protect our <laughs> brothers. That's how we roll. <laughs> I'm happy you're here. Mira, your power continues to grow. The real reason I brought you here is I wanted to show you this. And he walks past you, and with two hands, he grabs the black cloak that's draped over this tall thing, and he pulls it down. It flourishes it like he just unveiled a statue of solid gold. Like a magician. Yes, just like a magician. And what is there is a door. There's two posts, one going up each side. There's a piece that goes across the top. There's no door there. It looks like if you hung a door on it, there would be a door. Now that wood is carven. There's all sorts of symbols in it, and the wood is almost completely black. What do you think, Hal? Who did this carving? I think the real reason that you brought us here was because you had been turned into a badger. But this looks nice. I mean, you might be a little bit right, my friend. (laughs) But this is what I've been telling you about for months. I think I've finally done it. I think I've mastered teleportation. Now, I did make those two dogs come in somehow. Not really (laughs) sure. It's not completely sorted out, but I think we should try it. Where have you always wanted to go, Mira? Well, why don't you try it first, Lark, since you're the one so certain that it's going to work? Oh, I'm positive it's going to work. Okay, then then step on through yourself. He, like, just walks through it and back in and back and forth through it, and he's like, it's not activated yet. Okay, so how do we activate it? Well, I've been connecting the city's magic to it, basically all night. That's why Dad was tore up, but... The magic that I'm using to power this doorway is coming from the lantern itself. For the record, the lantern is the lantern of Provalian, and it is essentially a giant housing of a blue flame that rests underneath the city of Venthaven. Jeremy's described how that the magic flows through the streets into these lamps, and it kind of follows the same principle as electricity for us. It serves as electricity for the city of Venthaven is in that it powers all of these floating buildings and everything and it is a giant lantern like structure beneath the city of Venthaven that houses the gift of magic from Provalian herself. It is essentially the source of all magic. Wow. The source of all arcane magic, I should say specifically, but yes, the source of all magic magic. You are trying to harness the power of the lantern itself. Well, you said trying, but I'm not trying. I I really have already, actually. Have you? So how were you a badger? Oh, Dad got mad. Polymorphs. It's a thing. Yeah. Okay. It's not a thing. Who carved this door? 
Do what? Who put all these carvings on here? <laughs> I did. I've been working on this thing for months. You're bad at carving. <laughs> <laughs> you really think so? <laughs> I do it all the time. Oh, my God. Well, that's that's good. Maybe you can help me with this last symbol. That's oh. the next time he'll call you, Hillies, for sure. But well, I called Hillies because I needed someone to kill the dogs, but... I pull out my wood carving tools. <laughs> do you actually have wood carving yes. tools? Yes. <laughs> Lark, please tell me how exactly... Have you managed to harness the power of the lantern to this door? So I have been, well, my father has a collection of magic items, so I went and took some of the yes, yes, yes. cores of those magic items, and I broke the magic items, and I used them to connect the power yeah. from the, the ley lines that travel through the city. Well, I mean, you saw them if you came through that doorway. And I've channeled it through those cores to the door itself. Hal starts rubbing his temples, and he says, Lorik, if you know that your father is, how shall we say, a piece of garbage who likes to take you, his... You really shouldn't. Well, he really shouldn't... It's okay for me to talk bad about my dad, but I really don't appreciate if you do. I'm sorry, but I don't really... I'm not too concerned about what you appreciate when we just had to bring you back out of badger form. Well, I mean, I appreciate that you brought me out of badger form, but what I'm telling you is I found a way that we could teleport anywhere in the universe. Yes, but what I'm telling you is if you know he's going to do those sorts of twisted things to you, then perhaps you shouldn't go about breaking his magic items. Oh, but you see, the one thing that my dad has always wanted was this magic item. Well then, Lark, show us. Show us how it works. Okay, so, Hillies? Yeah. You want to do some carving? Yeah. I need the symbol of Paylor right here, and he points at a place on the door. The symbol of Paylor? It's funny that I took this wood carving and it actually came in handy. Well, if you notice, all the other symbols of the gods are here for our celestial pantheon anyway, but I don't have Paylor, so if you could put Paylors right here, please. Paylor, huh? And then, uh, Hal, I need some help with this particular incantation in this book here. And he hands you a book, and he turns to a specific page, and he goes, I need you to say these words. And Mira, well, you care to touch it one more time and point your wand at that side at the same time? I mean, yeah, that's what you need. We'll do it. Roll for wood carving first. Roll for performance, Paul, and roll Arcana, Mira. I got a nine. A nine? Total. Mine's 15 total. 17 total. Mm. Okay. Lorik goes and stands directly in front of the doorway. Okay. I'm going, well, I'm just going to go over to the, uh, well, the Archmage's room. Yeah, okay. This should work. All right, say the incantation. Well, you're going to teleport into my great-grandfather's quarters. That's your plan, to teleport right into his living quarters, into his, his study, his office. Well, I mean, he's upstairs, so he won't mind. Lorik, you really do have a death wish, don't you? <laughs> well, I have a wish, that's for sure. Yes, and yes. that is to see the lantern in person without anyone else there. He's always grinding, 24-7. <laughs> Even though he's not a student athlete. Oh, goodness. All right. Okay, I'm, I'm going to say this for you, Lorik. I'm going to say this incantation. Do it. Are you ready? I already carved it. I'm ready. He starts chanting slowly. It picks up in speed, and Lorik points his wand right into the center of the doorway. 
and Mira's wand lights up, and there's a blue arc that jumps from her hand from one side to the other, and oh my gosh, it hurts. Like, you can feel power coursing through you. And then, Hillies, you notice that you feel your stomach drop, like you're falling really fast, but the room's perfectly still. And then there's a lot that explodes in the center of that doorway, and it's like it forms a handle for just a second, and Lork reaches out and grabs it and pushes it in, and just as he does, you feel yourself fall. All of you. Nice. Wow. Ah! Everybody falls. Everything seems oh to stretch and pull as you're pulled quickly through this door. And everybody roll a d4. Four. Three. Three. And you take that much damage as you fall face first onto a marble floor. <coughs> Fabulous. And you recognize this as the devil's house. And you recognize this as hell. Cerberus appears. <laughs> you smack face first into a marble floorway. <coughs> it's mm. it's just about as quick as you smack the ground that you hear Lord going, Hey guys, I'm up here. And you look. I roll over onto my back. You roll over on your back. And you see way up above you, easily well above 100 yards, Lorik leaning over a balcony, looking down at you. You're in a long hallway. Mm -hmm. There's tall columns, columns some of which that are levitating, not touching the ground. And how you in particular recognize this is not the personal study of your grandfather, but the hallway leading to the main entry. You missed your mark, Lorik. I think it turned out pretty well, actually. I think you've ruined my evening. And Hal sits up, puts his hand on his back. <laughs> Where are we? What just happened? Can you get down here, Lorik, or are we going to have to come and get you? I'm pretty sure I know exactly where I am, and I can get into the chambers going through the doors up here. You guys will have to go through the front door, though. Oh, no. No, there's a lot of people here. Well, you're already past the guards. It's you just told his us main... that was the important part, to get around your dad. We're miles away from him. Yes, his father's back at, at their home. We are we are in the center of the city. We're Okay, so, okay. We're in the middle of the college. We're right outside the Archmage's quarters. What? He plans to steal something. I didn't say steal. I said see. Anyway, I'm, I'm going this way. If you want to help. I suggest you hurry. And Lork like takes off running on the upper platform towards the huge golden doors you see off in the distance. Well, we can't stay here. Let's go. Hal gets up and takes off in that direction. I'm following Hal. Yeah, me as well. All right, Hal. Yes. Give me a short description of what you're used to seeing as you walk up to these familiar doors. So we're in like a hallway leading up to the doors to his private chambers. You're already inside of his house. You know it better than anyone, but you know that through those doors, you go to like his main study, which has a view that is directly looking at the lantern. So the lantern is like under the city. So is this like down? Oh, yeah. So this is like a secret study. This is like, why does Lorik know this is here? We're approaching it, and as we are, you two have never been here. You don't really know where we are. You might be even slightly disoriented. We are very. As we're jogging toward the door, there there are two very large white golden doors. They look like, I don't know, they're, they're very beautifully ordained, and they have all these runes along the lines of them. And as we approach it, I stop, and I'm like, 
Oh, goodness. If I know my great-grandfather, these doors probably have some sort of an enchantment on them. I doubt we can even open them. What's the elvish word for friend? <laughs> no. Trust me, that wouldn't be his password. It's too easy. That's the password in all the old tales. <laughs> um, I, th I actually, I, I might have something for this, actually. And he reaches across his back and he pulls off his flute. Well, let's hope that whatever enchantment he is using, that it's not too sophisticated. Lorik is going to get us in so much trouble. When you say Lorik is going to get us in so much trouble, you notice for the first time that the blue lights that light most of the city, that even in here light the city, are like flickering weirdly. Oh boy. You've never seen them like stutter power before ever. What's happening? What's going on? And that one column back there that was levitating, it's like it dropped like a half an inch for a second and then just real quickly rotted itself. My goodness, Lorik has really messed things. We have to, we've got to do whatever he came here to do and we've got to get a stop to this. All right. Um, just, okay. And he takes the flute, brings it up to his lips and he plays a little tune. And as he does, it has a sort of echoey essence to the sound of the melody that he plays. And you all hear or you don't hear, you see the runes on the door light up for a second, and then you hear a click as the door is unlocked as he casts the spell, knock. The doors unlock, and really quickly, almost faster than you would think possible, the door like mm -hmm. flies open. Oh yes, these doors were certainly locked by magical means, which means this spell will only give us access for 10 minutes, so we might need to hurry. It's it's funny that you say that, because when it opens, you can see the back side of the door, and before you, there's a solid wall of white stone marble. <laughs> On the back side of the door, you see all these little slots and holes, and from one of them falls out this weird-looking, metallic, bronzy thing. It's like you hear a screech, screech, screech of metal, and then a thump, and... A cube, probably two feet tall. It's perfectly symmetrical cube. And out of it comes these little tendrily metallic legs that fly out and hit the ground and it stands up. And it spins around three times and you see a little blue eyeball looking at you. And it goes, Silverthorn? Um, you're not Silverthorn. What are you doing here? Actually, I am Silverthorn. I'm... You're not the Archmage? What are you doing here? You must know me. I'm the great-grandson. I think I'll need to report you to the authorities. No, you don't need to do that. Most certainly you do not. My name is Halifel Silverthorn. I'm the great-grandson of Theron Silverthorn. It's Archmage. nice to meet you, Halifel Silverthorn. You can call me Mel. Uh, hello, Mel. I assume that you serve my grandfather. But I don't know that you're his grandson. Is there any way you can prove that to me? Well, I can show you my crest, and he reaches into his pocket. And he... I don't know where you got that crest. This is the crest of my family, Mel. Where else would I have gathered it? Listen. What does it look like? What does it look like? Thank you for that. It's a, uh, it's silver, and it has thorns on it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's silver. It looks like a tree. like a, It's a silver tree on like a brooch. Uh -huh. Actually, it's not on a brooch. What it is is it's a brooch in the shape of a silver tree, and there are a series of thorns engraved onto it, like wrapping around it. Yep, I've seen that before. It looks just like this. And he, like, turns around and shows you his backside, and there's there's one of them on there. You've seen this before. 
This is the one the Archmage put on me. Mm -hmm. Looks pretty close. I still don't know. You might have killed one of my friends and used it as your own badge. Really? I, you seem like a very intelligent creature. Um, certainly you could take a look at this and ascertain that it is not the same type of alloy as you are composed of. Roll me persuasion. I wanted to, but I was like, can I persuade this thing? You know, can I deceive this thing? I don't know. Can you? That's pretty good. Let's see. That's a 17 on the die plus persuasion, you say? Uh-huh. So that's a 23 modified. Well, I mean, it kind of looks like Silverthorn to me. That's because it is. Hang on a second. And he clank, clank, clanks over the door and pulls, 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 and pulls open the other door. And then there's another little guy falls out. Looks. Oh, boy. Exactly like him. Hello? What do you want, Melon? You can call me Mel. No. What do you want? Who, who are you guys? Why are you here? <laughs> my name is Halifel Silverthorn. I'm here to get something for my great-grandfather, Theron Silverthorn, the Archmage of the College of Magic. He left something in Mel, his... are you talking to strangers again? Oh, this stranger business. I mean, yeah, I am. Up above you, you see Loric working, obviously, magic on a wall. And you see a hole open up, and him step through it, and you hear a sharp click of rock sliding back together as he makes his way on through. Okay, do they hear that? Oh, no. They're too busy talking back and forth about why are these strangers here and what do they want. Listen, Mel, and I'm, I'm sorry I didn't catch your name, but we are in quite a hurry. My grandfather is... You can call me Mel. Okay, Mel... And Mel, I'm just going to refer to you as Mel's to make this shorter. Listen, Mel's, we... If anything, you would know that your grandfather's not very inventive. I don't know if it's his grandfather. <laughs> Listen, I don't have time for this. You you know that when the Archmage needs something, he needs it post-haste. So if you could please allow us to simply go inside and gather what we need and we'll be on all our right, way. All right, all right, I'm letting you in, I'm letting you in. Thank you. The first one that you spoke to is going up to the door that he was pulling on and pulls it open, pulls it open, pulls it open. Mm -hmm. And the other one just kind of sits there dumbfounded just looking at you like, why are we doing this? <laughs> and the first one you said walks on in and he, a uh, little hand like sprouts out of his head and mm -hmm. he like waves over, over what would be his shoulder if he had one but waves at you to follow him. He goes, well, come on in already. What do you need? We step inside behind him. Okay, so you're in a shorter hallway. Okay. And there are magic items everywhere. There are cases of wands. There are things behind glass domes that over top of different things. Any vehicles? Yes, there is a there's a box and a boat. Nice. Boat in a box. box. I was like a boat in a box. How you know this is a room that you should not be in. Oh good Loric is going to get us in so much trouble, he says under his breath. Oh, you can hear him clattering around upstairs already. There's a staircase nearby. Off in the distance, there's a staircase at the other end of the hallway. Is it going downstairs, upstairs? It's a spiral. It goes either. Well, thank you, Mel's. I believe that we can handle it from here. We'll be quite quick, and we'll get out of your hair. Now, I need, what are you here for? I'm the guardian of this place, so if you're going to take anything, I need to take inventory of it and make sure that I report it when the Archmage returns. Okay. Um, well, we're, uh, we're looking for a, a book, a specific book. You're looking for a book. There's a lot of books in here. You, you need to go down towards the bottom floor if you want the books, oh, I, though. Oh, I know where it's at. This way, I run towards the staircase. What? Uh, 
Yes, yes, I believe he's correct. We, that's the way, yes. The, you said down for the books. We'll go right down and grab it. We'll bring it right back up, and you can uh, put it on your inventory. Shall we, uh, Mira, would you like to join us? Quickly? Yes, let's go. Let's go. You guys take off running? We take off. Okay, you make it to the staircase. Mm-hmm. You can hear his little feet pattering, hitting the hitting the ground as he's trying to keep up behind you. Okay. And then you feel a cold sheen of air just, like, fly through the room. Okay. <sighs> and you hear Lorik upstairs and goes, I don't know about you guys, but I think we're going to have to run. Oh, gosh. What? I feel like that's all we've been doing. <laughs> run. Lorik, if we survive this, I swear on Prevalian, I'm going to murder you myself. As you're yelling that up to him, mm -hmm. you, you come to the spiral staircase, and you see off into a large open room ahead of you. Okay. In the center of that room, you see a lantern like you've never seen before. I stop. There are tendrils of energy, some flowing up from the ground, some coming out of the ceiling, some coming out of the walls, and there's these three rings of silver and gold and bronze rotating around it, and there's this great bluish fire that sometimes looks like water, that sometimes looks like sand falling through an hourglass, that sometimes looks like your mother's face, that sometimes looks like pure darkness, you just notice that you've just been staring at it for a minute or two too long. You all recognize it as the Lantern of Prevalian. I'd start walking toward it. Okay, so to get to it, you're going to have to go down a floor. You're like on a balcony. There's a spiral staircase in front of you. Lorik is a couple levels up above you, and down and forward leads you to the Lantern. We're heading to Lorik, right? Hal's making his way toward the lantern. So you don't go to Lork. I start to walk towards the lantern. I'm somewhat mesmerized by it. Okay. So Hal starts slowly going down the spiral staircase. Where are you going? Uh, what? I'm going... We need to get Lork. You all find this more than a little mesmerizing. Mm -hmm. Why don't you all roll me a wisdom saving throw? 18. I got a 4. 10. Hillies. He says that, and you guys notice that he's going down the staircase faster than any of you. <laughs> and mm -hmm. his eyes are not coming away from the fire. He hasn't stopped staring at it. How you have control, Mira, you're still a little fuzzy. It's still, you're still staring. Healy's saying that even though he's going past me and heading that way. It mm -hmm. snaps me back to reality a little bit, and I say, stop, 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 stop. And I reach out and grab him. You do not grab him. He's moved on a little further than that. Okay, so I run toward him. Okay. And grab him. I need both of you to roll me dexterity checks. I have a 19. Got an 11. Hal grabs him. Mira, I need you to roll me one more wisdom saving throw. 16. Okay. You uh, you snap out of it when you realize that Hillies had almost made it to the floor where the lantern is. How you got him. We have to go. We have to get Lorik. Hillies. You still are pretty interested in going out there instead of going for Lorik. I'll slap him. Oh. Roll a wisdom saving throw. That's uh, 17. Okay, you come out of it after he smacks you across the face. Helis, we, uh. we, we have to get Lorik these males. They're, they're going to cause us problems if we don't. Are you are you sure? Yes, we have, to, we have to get out of here as soon as possible, and we can't do that until Lorik does what he's come to do, so please, let's hurry. Hurry, call the guards. Somebody's in the lantern. He runs upstairs. No, 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 no one is in the lantern. No one, no. Um. So when you look up, you see that Lorik 
has somehow started walking on air towards the lantern. Oh. He's about four or five stories up walking out towards it and you you reach the stairs where you had first started and the male that you had first talked to he says hurry call the guards and when he says guards his like arms shoot into his body and then they shoot back out and he's got these two little swords and he takes off running (laughs) right towards you Hal everybody roll initiative I knew this was going to get us killed and here it is getting us killed (laughs) It's a 15 initiative. I got a non-natural 20. I'm not enjoying myself. (laughs) (laughs) What'd you get? A one. Are you serious? Well, it's it's initiative, so it's the one time it doesn't really hurt you. I know, and of course I get that. You run upstairs. How? When you clear the stairs, you see your your buddy Mel. Hey, uh, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to take you out now. And he pulls out two swords, like, come bursting out of his sides. And then his box, like, starts to unfold so that his eye splits into four different places. And he's on two legs still. But there's four, like, tentacle-ish. It's like at the top of his body is opened up like a starfish. And there's a sword on each end of it. And he's going to start spinning a little bit. Is this General Gravis? He's got, like, Dr. Octopus arms. His body is, like, one octopus arm. It's like half of a square with two legs coming out of it. And the top half is like octopus arms with swords on the end. And he's made out of metal? He's metallic, yes. General uh, Kenobi. And can can we see him? Or oh, yeah, just, you all see yeah, him. Okay. Hal, you get to go first. Oh, my gosh. Hal would like to cast a spell. He's got his flute still out, and he is going to immediately bring it up to his lips, and he's going to cast a spell. He's going to cast the spell of Tasha's Hideous Laughter. And I need male number one to make me a wisdom saving throw. A wisdom saving throw. He's got a plus zero to his wisdom. I was hoping it would be something like that. He rolled a six. He fails. What happens is everything strikes him suddenly as hilariously funny. And he falls into fits of laughter. So he falls prone. He becomes incapacitated. And he is unable to stand up for the duration. That's awesome because... I'm, I'm just going to read you out of the, the manual what it says. The drone can't be compelled to act in a manner contrary to its nature or its instructions. <laughs> so you cast a spell on it, and you expect a result, and then it just starts spinning faster. Oh, boy. Well, we're dead, so um, it was nice to know you, Mira, and, of course, you. I knew you, Helis. And Mira, <laughs> you're, going to, you're going to make it out of here. I believe that you are. And trust me when I say that I'm glad that you're here with me. And he's giving you some bardic inspiration, Mira. So what that means is that any time that you make a roll with the d20 over the next little bit, you have a bardic inspiration you can cash in to roll a d6 and add to that. Okay? Then Hal is going to turn around and run. Towards it? Towards Lorik. Upstairs. No, Lorik is like walking on air, so he's going to run downstairs. Downstairs. So Hal does all that, and then he runs past you two. Mira was the next closest one to the top of the stairs, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So the drone is going to go next. Mel is going to go next. And he's closest to you. Crap. So this swirling little thing is going to come close, and he's going to make some attacks on you. Of course he is. Great. So Some attacks. Did you hear that? I heard some. Just so you know, yes. that means multiple. 
multiple attacks. I am fully aware. So the first one is a plus four to hit. So 12. Does that hit your armor class? It is 12. So that's not a hit, right? No, if it meets, it hits. Oh, if it meets, it hits. Oh, Mm -hmm. lordy. Well, the first one's a hit. I'm going to have to roll that a few more times and see if the rest of them are hits. Few? That's a natural 20. Oh. Oh, The second one hits. Mirror's going down. The third one was a 17. That one was a four. Okay. So that one misses, and there's one more. Five attacks? Yep, and the last one is a 14. Four hits. One of them was a a critical hit, wasn't it? Yes. Mm. Which means I roll five d6s. You're dead, I'm just telling you. I mean, you're definitely getting dropped. Oh, I know I am. What's your HP? Oh, I have 11 left. It's It's great. It's not terrible. You roll nine... 10, 11, 12, <laughs> 13. You're going to take 14 points of damage. Yeah, I'm out. That's really not bad. I thought he was going to insta-kill you right here, though. That's really not bad. Yeah, no, but I'm, I'm definitely out. So Mira gets hit four times. Four different blades just slash across the front of her, and the pain instantly takes her down. Amazing. I scream out in pain, and I holler and hope that my companions hear me. As you bite the dust. And then she passes out on the stairs. The next person in the initiative order is Mira. So, Mira, you need to roll a death saving throw. <laughs> roll that 20. Come on, natural one. Oh, God, it's not. Um, it's a five. Ooh, so that's still a sad face. It's a very sad face. Well, now let me ask you this. Bardic Inspiration says that you can add that to any ability check, attack roll, or saving throw. That is a saving throw. It's it a is. death saving yeah. throw. I'm going to add it. <laughs> I mean, I'm, it's, it's up to Jeremy. I'm going to add it. She definitely can do it. Thanks. Okay. Roll d d6. Uh, four. It's a nine. That's not Oh, enough. man. <laughs> it's still a sad face. So close. She's dead. <laughs> She's going to be dead. So that's one failure. The first character to die on the NBH. But you get three. Of so. course. My first time recording. I'm going <laughs> to die. That's great. It's fabulous. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Next on the initiative order. So other male Gibson Hillies would see that other male has sprouted wings oh, and is gosh. flying down the hall towards him with a bow and arrow. Copycat. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to fire a shot at you. Good luck. Woo. That's a 14 versus your AC. Sorry about your luck, pal. Ooh, that's a natural one. Ooh. Get out of my house, boy. Oh, what happens? What happens to one? That is a natural one. So he's flying, flying, and he shoots that arrow, and when he goes to shoot it, he, like, twists the bow wrong, and it, like, flies up and smacks one of his wings, and he's going to fall out of the sky. Yeah. I'm going to make him take a a D4 of slamming into the floor damage. And he lands right next to the other male. he took four. Doesn't he? He lands close to the other male, yes. What? what? Um, He's going to take four falling damage. It is now Healy's turn. What about Lorik? Is he get a? Is he in the initiative order? <laughs> <laughs> Just wait and see. He's useless, and I hate him. Oh, he's so good. I hate him Utterly. so much. I hate him right now. He's the worst friend ever. Definitely. <laughs> I'm aiming at the one that's flying before he even gets there. Okay. Well, he hits the floor right next to his buddy who's spinning around. Perfect. What do you do? I want to shoot him with my bow. Shoot him with your bow. So whenever I draw the arrow, mm-hmm. I use this magic on it, and the arrow 
starts glowing blue. Ooh. Do it. That's a 12? Versus the AC? Yeah. That's a miss. Really? Mm. Yep. No, Crap. it isn't. It's not. You go to shoot at him after he hits the ground, and I guess he just bounced just enough that your arrow's off target, <laughs> and it just flies by his face. His square, one-eyed face. Right. Howl is taking off. He's running toward the lantern, but he hears Mira cry out, and he glances back to see this thing just cutting into her, and he stops. He comes to a sudden stop, but Mm -hmm. before he can do anything, just this scene of mayhem takes place with the other one falling out of the sky, and he sees Hilly's over there firing at it but missing, and he turns and he sees Lorik, and what's Lorik doing? Lorik has got his robes. They're all billowing out behind him, and he's about halfway to the lantern. So the lantern, mm-hmm. like I said, is is spinning and floating in the middle of that huge room, right? Lork's getting very close to the outer rings that are rotating around it. Lorik, you can't touch it. Don't touch the lantern, Lorik. Does he respond to me? I don't know that he does. I think that he probably, like, stops for a second. Lorik's walking, he stops. He doesn't look back, but you can tell that he, he hesitated for a minute, like you saying something to him, like started to pull him out of it. Okay. He stutter steps for just a second, but then he starts walking again slowly. How far is he away from me? Yards. Um, so the room that he is in is huge. So if you were on the bottom floor, you were probably, I mean, what's a floor? He was five floors above you. Good Lord. He's up there. It's a huge Huge room. So, I mean, he's like, well, five floors would be like 60 to 80 feet, maybe. Probably 80 feet. He's probably 80 feet. So, for you guys, he's probably more like 72 feet above the current floor that you're on, but he's also out quite a distance. He's been walking some ways. So, I mean, it, it might be a football field's distance to the lantern, and he's walked over halfway there. Okay, well. He's walking slowly. He has his wand out in his hand. You can tell he's casting some spell that's allowing him to do this, and he's having to maybe maintain it, or maybe that one in particular lets him do that. Okay, well, I have nothing that I can do. I I have no weapon that I can reach him with from here. The maximum distance on my dagger throwing it is 60 feet, so that's even with disadvantage. So I can't, none of my spells will reach him. I'm looking, he's he's out of my reach. Running, I'm not going to catch him before he gets to it. The only thing that I do know is that Mira is probably chopped meat back there. She definitely is chopped meat. So I stop. I say, Hal, you're a fool. And I run back and I throw myself down onto the floor and I grab Mira, placing a hand on each side of her head, and I cast Cure Wounds at second level. Oh, yeah. Coming in clutch. All right. How much does she heal? (laughs) 2d8 plus 4. That's pretty good. I rolled 15. 6 and a 5 plus 4. So that's 15 HP. Nice. I sing her a little song. We're all in this together. (laughs) I sing High School Musical to her, apparently. I regret that. Yes. But it's too late. I'm super happy about it. And the the energy (laughs) flows through me into her and heals her. Your eyes rush open and you hear Hal singing you a soft song. <laughs> and there's two metal drones in front of you that look like they want to kill you. Can I bardically inspire her again? 
I'll let you bardically inspire her. Okay, I'm just, even though she's up, I'm still singing the song. Even though I don't know all the words. Two, we're all in this together. Okay. From High School Musical. Amazing. So, all those flailing arms are going to, like, reach up together and, like, touch into a central point. It's like his legs collapse back into the box and he hits the ground. And then those arms release, and when it does... There's this white gas that comes spewing out of him towards all three of you. So, I need you all to do a constitution saving throw. All of us? All three of you. What about Lorik? Lorik is far away. Because he's worthless, is what he is. Uh, I have a 19, even. 21. Nice. I rolled a 3, and okay. I got a um, plus 1. So you got a four. Yes. So, Mira, you snap awake, and you instantly breathe in a rush of this white gas just fills your lungs, and you feel your limbs go stiff. Oh, my Fabulous. You're paralyzed for one minute. (laughs) Does she make a save on her turn or not for that? And you make a save at the end of each of your turns. Okay, so can I do that now? It is your turn. Oh, great. Do I get to cast anything after this? Nope. At the end of your turn. So you have that sinking, terrifying feeling of not being able to move. And now let's see if you can break that constitution save to get out of it. So I roll it. Yeah. Got a 15 plus. Plus that one. So way more than enough. Okay. Fabulous. You shake it off. And she says, fabulous. Great. (laughs) (laughs) And then the one that lost its bow is going to try to stand up. And with no bow, it's going to run forward. And who's the closest to them now? Healy's is probably just in front of us, yeah. I mean, I would think. What do you think, Healy's? I would think so now, too. Especially yeah. with her passing out. Um, he's going to run up, and he's going to try to punch you in the face. Good luck. So it's a plus three to hit, and he's going to roll it three times. Good luck. The first one is a 17 on the dice. I got a 17. The second one's a four on the dice. And the third one's a 12 on the dice. So... One hit. One hit. Like a boss. Roll a D4 and add one to it. Two damage. That's not bad. Take two damage. He runs up. You take a quick metal tiny fist to the face, punches you, and you get slammed in the face. It, like, knocks your head around so you can see behind you. And Lorik has reached his wand out. Oh, boy. And it's like there's a blue cackling field of energy that you can now see around the lantern like a force field and you can tell that Lork's trying to cast a spell to cut through it and then you you feel something touch your minds Lork goes where are you guys at I need help getting through this what do you mean where are we can you not see we're being killed on your behalf Lork that's where we are you've taken us to our death you're being killed and go ahead Hillies it's your turn can I use Mage Hand to just slap him right in the face? <laughs> <laughs> you probably could. I mean, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I kind of want to shoot the one out of his hand, but also don't want us to die because one of us just died. But I also feel like I would probably know that he does not need to touch that. I mean, I've been screaming out, don't touch it. You need to get out of here. You're all going to die. So I'm going to shoot him. you going to shoot the one right in front of you? But first... I'm going to apply that blue magic again Ooh. and hope I don't fail this time. There's one right in front of you. Let's do it. It's a 16. Woo! That's a hit. Yes. 
roll damage. That's seven damage. Plus, whenever the arrow hits, it detonates. It explodes? Yes. Okay. All the creatures within 10 feet of take 2d6 force damage. Six. All creatures? Yeah. So you and the male that talks like this take six. The deeper voiced male looks very, very broken. You can hear little metal rubbing on metal anytime he tries to move. I stand up. I lunge forward toward the one that is that has chopped up Mira, and I'm going to try and stab him with my rapier. That is a 19. Yes. That is a hit. Okay, so I stab him with my rapier. Six damage. But Six. as my rapier stabs into it, I use my final bardic inspiration to okay. rack inside this creature's mind with toxic magic to deal it an extra 2d6 psychic damage. Wow. Yeah. This is called my psychic blades. It's a nice. feature. I am a bard of whispers. Ooh. It whispers. <laughs> an extra six psychic damage. It hears me whispering in its mind, you really suck as a guard. The other male talks about you when you're not listening. <laughs> That's not very nice. You smell like a bucket of nails. Your grandfather's going to be pretty mad if you kill me and let him touch the fire. Whatever he's doing up there. <laughs> he's an idiot. Ignore him. <laughs> and that's the end of my turn. Okay, he's going to react. Mm, do it. Just kill me. I'm ready. <laughs> Just kill me. Is your body ready for this? No. He's going to attack you with his spinning arms. I know he is. It's going to hurt really bad. It's going to suck. I should have just used cure wounds on myself instead of trying to be a hero. Rolling that one. Eh, you're a make-believe hero. Thank you for being a hero. <laughs> I rolled a 19. Oh, gosh, of course you did. I rolled an 11. I rolled a 13. And I rolled a 7. The 19 hits, the rest do not. My AC is a 15. That's lovely. Roll a d6 and add 2 to it. Of course. I roll a d6 for him and I get nothing but a 6. Nah. So you take eight. Okay. I take eight damage. He gashes into me pretty good, but I'm still standing. We will take you to the constabulary after we knock you out. You do realize that it's not an effective way to knock someone out when you're using spinning blades. Or your corpse, anyway. My grandfather's not going to be happy about this. Next. That would be Mira. You're up, and you get to take an action. <laughs> oh, finally. It's only been like... Ten turns since I've been able to do this. So Great. you're coming to, you're on one knee trying to stand back up. In front of you is the spinning arms one just slapped Hal in the face, and behind you is another one that's like creaking and whining as it's trying to move around. Um, I'm going to cast Scorching Gray. Melt him. Uh, you create three rays of fire and hurl them at targets with targets, mm -hmm. may I mention, mm -hmm. within range. You can hurl them at one target or several Make a ranged spell attack for each ray. On a hit, the target takes 2d6 fire damage. Nice. So I get three rays. You have to roll that attack three times. Are you rolling at the one that's nearly broken one or the one with the spinning arms? The first bolt. That's the one going after how? The spinning mm -hmm. arms is, yes. Okay, so first is going to be against the one going after how. Okay. Okay, roll okay yeah. Oh, 19. 19. That Good. is a hit. Yes, Roll it that is. damage. 2d6s. Two. And oh, a one. 
sorry. I tried. <laughs> but I get two more, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You got okay. two more to throw. It's an 11 on the dice, so... Plus five is a 16? 16. That's a hit. Okay, yeah. Hit plus 2d6. 2d6 damage. A five. Ooh. And a three. Eight. Nice. Very nice. Okay. You got one more. Okay, you know what? I want to keep killing the one I've been killing. Okay. All right. All right, let's do it. So Roll it. Rolling... An 18 plus 5, 23. Wow. That's a hit. Heck yes. All three. Okay. I nailed it. All right. Okay, 2d6. Let's get some damage here. A uh, 1 is my You're first roll. great with the damage. I'm doing great. It's fabulous. Okay. And 4, so 5 damage in total. All right. So whenever Mira stands up, she pumps her hand up into the air and pulls a scorching ray out of nothing. Throws one at the swirling arms bot. Throws two. Throws three. And when the third one slams into it, one of his arms fly off. Excellent. Nice. He's still spinning. Oh, God. But he has one less arm to attack us with. There we go. This is true. Silver linings. <laughs> Hillies. Hillies. It's like Achilles, but it's Sort Hillies. of. Achilles, Hillies. The one that's almost <laughs> dead in front of you is going to punch you again. Miss me. It's a plus three to hit, and he's going to roll it three times. Good luck. He rolled an eight, a three, and a six. Wow. Nice. So he Mr. literally Mr. missed all three. Weak sauce. Punch in the air. Now, I don't think we're going to survive this one. All right. It's your turn, Hillies. And he just tried to punch you in the face three times. Wow. What a jerk. He's right next to me. Mm-hmm. I have a bow in my hands. Yeah, so back up and take the risk of an opportunity attack or try to shoot him with disadvantage. Try to shoot him with disadvantage. Roll it. That's a 10. That's a miss. Great. Fabulous. Dun, dun, dun. Ah. Al, it's your turn. There's a spinning monster with one less arm in front of you. <sighs> shoot the dupe, as they say in the biz. Is that something that they say in the biz? I hope not. It is. I would like to, kind of stepping backwards just a little bit, say, Mira, perhaps we should run towards Lorik. I'm, I'm afraid that he is about to make a huge mistake, but first, Mel, why don't you just go ahead and die for me, please? And he's going to cast Dissonant Whispers at first level, because that's all I've got left. So I need him to make me a wisdom saving throw. A wisdom saving throw. Yes. He rolled a 17 on the dice. Okay, so he's going to take half damage. So what it is is he hears a discordant melody in his mind, and it racks him oh. with terrible psychic pain. And what it is, it's kind of like nails screeching across metal going all through his ears, but he's able to he's able to deal with it pretty good. His sound sensors? That was a very poor roll. So I rolled six. He's going to take three damage. I, I, I feel, oh, oh my gosh. I feel, I feel, I feel. And he like just falls apart into a pile of dust. Oh boy. Yeah, he does. Three damage, <laughs> boys and girl. Uh, I always say boys, so now I have to make myself not say boys. Boys and girl. It's cool. Usually just boy. It's cool. Girl. We got it. Hal does a quick little fist pump, turn around and says, I'm running. And he runs toward Lorik's direction. Okay, so upstairs, downstairs. Lorik is like, running across the air, right? Yeah, Lorik is standing in front of a force field of energy that he's trying to break through, 
standing on the air, five stories in the air, probably a good 60 to 80 feet out in the middle of this room. See, I just don't think going upstairs is going to help me. Not unless you can levitate or something. So I'm going to go downstairs and just run toward him. Okay. Mira, it's your turn. Okay, so the last one. I can use magic missile? Question mark? Mm Mm-hmm. And if you want to hit it extra hard, you can cast it at second level, and it'll do an extra D4 instead of just the three. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so what do I I need to roll? You need to roll damage. Four D4s. Okay. Here we go. The first one is a three. Three. One. So seven. And four. Eleven. Dang. Eleven plus four. Right. Fifteen total damage. Nailed it. Good hit. All right, Mira. <laughs> Nistled it. What does it look like when you obliterate this thing? Man. So I, I draw my wand up to my hand, and I hold it up. I point it towards the smell, and the I say- smell. The smell. <laughs> the smell. The smelly mel. Yes. So I grab my wand and I point it toward the mel that is remaining and I cast magic missile. Electric green fires out the end of my wand and when it does, it just hits it and explodes all over the place. Love it. And I scream with excitement and I say, Lorik, where are you? (laughs) About that time, how you you hit the bottom floor. And when you do, you notice that there's other doorways all around the center of this thing, right? Okay. You have stepped off onto a landing that opens up to a white marble floor. And there's these few black and red rugs that run the length of the floor almost right up to the lantern. And Lorik is suspended quite the distance above you. And just as you're hitting the floor, you see him step through the force field. Oh, crap. Oh, boy. And you hear him in your minds, guys, I made it in. Lark, don't touch it. Do not touch that fire. This is... How? At this point, go ahead. Touch it. (laughs) Oh, you have done ticked her off, Lark. You're dead. You're done goofed. All right. You guys got a couple moments to react. What do you do? I'm running as fast as I can toward the lantern. Okay. How far am I from the actual... At this point, like 100 yards. Oh my gosh, that's too far. You need to have me like 30 feet. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I cast Levitate on Lark. You cast Levitate on Lark? Yes. He's already levitated. He's already levitated. I cast it again. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so I make him go away from the object, correct? Is that a thing? Can I not do that? Perhaps. So here's what's going to happen. You go running forward. Hal's yelling out. Mira, you point your wand at Lorik, And as you do, that force field that was surrounding the lantern, it cracks. And then it explodes outwards. Just this wave of energy washes across all of you. And all the lights go off for just a second. And then the blue light flares back on. And you notice the building reshifting and putting itself back where it goes. And Lorik is no longer standing like it looked like he was standing flat on the surface. He's now like floating with his feet pointing almost up towards the air like he was going to dive towards the flame. But something's keeping him suspended. How close can I get to it? It's basically 100 yards from the place where you were at to 
the lantern to be able to touch the lantern. So that puts you where? Almost there. Yeah, how far am I from Lorik? Is he... He's five stories above you. So I'm like at the base of this lantern. Looking up at Lorik, who's at the top of the lantern. I stop, I'm looking up, and I'm, I'm just calling out to him, trying, sort of in desperation at this point, there's really nothing that I can do. Lorik, pl- please, what are, you're going to get yourself killed. I use prestidigitation. <laughs> to what? <laughs> to make sparks fly out onto his face. <laughs> sparks are just flying out of, uh, of Hilly's hands as he's running forward. <laughs> I can't cast anything else, can I? Sparks everywhere. Probably well, if, not. If you do, then your levitate spell is going to end on him. Oh, that's right. It's only okay. Lorik, what are you doing? We've come this far. You need to stop. Just just listen to us. We're here. We're here to help you. This this isn't safe for you. What are you doing? This is your moment to shine. You've been grinded for so long. Oh, no. <laughs> Take Felix. your opportunity. You only get one shot. Okay, as he's saying that, I'm going to, just in a moment of pure desperation, I'm going to cast Tasha's Hideous Laughter on Lorik. Okay. So I just need him to make a wisdom save. Trying to incapacitate him. And then he dies. Okay. Falling well, he damage. didn't roll a natural one. So here's the deal. You go to cast that spell. And as you do, Lorik hears everything that everybody said. And I guess as soon as you're done saying what you said, you cast Tasha's hideous laughter. Or start saying the incantation either way. And before the spell takes full effect, Lorik takes his wand and points it at his feet. Mm-hmm. And he goes... Guys, you don't understand. If I can harness this, I can make my door for my dad, and he'll stop turning me into things. And Lorik flicks his wand at his feet, and the levitate spell goes away, and he falls forward, and with just one hand, he just barely touches the outer ring of the lantern. And when he does... The whole world goes nuts. There's an instance, how where you're pretty sure you're standing on the ceiling, but you're not on the ceiling. And Mira, for half a second, you're pretty sure that you could see out of the back of your head. And Hilly's, there was one moment there that you see, like, hundreds of people running. You're not really sure where they're running to. And then you realize that all those doorways you saw around the room, that they're open, that there's actually people here. Or maybe they've been here the whole time and you're unsure of what time it is, and then you see three days in the future and three days in the past, and you remember everything you ate, ever, and you're pretty sure you can count every hair on Mira's head from here. And how you're no longer on the ceiling. For a minute, you might have been in the fire. You might have been upside down the fire. And Lorik changes for just a minute. His eyeballs flare blue flames, and blue flames come out of his mouth, and his hair stands straight up, and he's falling, and a portal opens up right about below his feet, and you see his dad step out, and the archmage, and the archmage lifts both of his hands, and shouts a word in a language you've never heard, and everything stops going crazy. And then Lorik smacks the floor. If you could see inside of Lorik's mind for just a moment, 
you'd be lost in sound, in color, and a couple visions of things Loric never should have seen. You're lost in a torrent of blue and white lights. You see quick flashes of your own past, your mother, your birth, the birth of your father, your first day at the college, your first kiss. But then you see other things. You see great beings standing high as mountains across Monumi, four figures radiating power unlike anything you've ever beheld. You see the great dragons, the Dracon Kelly, flying across a sea of men, elves, dwarves, and orcs, and wicked creatures clashing together in a great battle and seas of blood. Then you see nothing. You see darkness, but tangible darkness. And even in the raging throes of this power flowing through you from the lantern, the fear that grips your heart in that moment almost breaks you. And from that darkness, you can feel as something moves closer, not to you, Lorik, but to all of Monumi, to everyone, to your father, your mother, to Venthaven. And you hear a sound. You can't place it at first, but after a few moments, you recognize it as the rattling of great chains. Lorik, you wake up and you are on a cold stone surface. What? You're surrounded by bright lights. And as you open your eyes, you feel as if you're settling into the worst hangover that a person could ever have. Your ears are ringing, your vision is blurry, and you're overcome by a sensory overload. Hello? And even though you don't hear any voices or sounds, the silence is screaming in your ears. Uh, hello? You feel suddenly as someone grabs you by each arm and lifts you up onto your feet. Uh. They dust you off and set you straight. And after a moment, you feel as someone leans down in your ear, and through the ringing, you hear a voice. Stand tall now, Lorik. Don't let them see you sweat. And as your vision comes back into view, you see your friend, Halifel, standing there. And then with a wink, he turns on his heel and makes his way out of the great hall, where you realize that you are now standing. Your body aches and your brain throbs with power. It feels like the energy from the lantern is radiating from your bones. I feel like... Uh, I can still feel the magic. Take take me back to the magic. Lorik Darkbolt. Lady? You immediately recognize the voice of Marleyan Eleth, the governess of Venthaven. And now, standing in this great, brightly lit hall, you realize that you have been brought to judgment before the Elder Conclave of Venthaven. To the right of the governess, you see the elders of this city, those chosen for power, those chosen to lead your city. To her left, you see seated the highest-ranking professors and teachers from the College of Magic. And of course, standing just to her left, is the Archmage of the College of Magic, Theron Silverthorne himself, looking down at you with a face of pure disgust. Governess, Archmage, 
Greetings. I, I, I'm ashamed to be before you in this state. Loric, please, hold your comments. This is not an open forum. You've been brought before us today to answer for a crime that you have committed. Loric, you did something today that no elf has ever done since the formation of Venthaven centuries long past. She rubs her eyes in frustration. By encroaching upon the Lantern of Provolian today, you've risked the integrity of all magic throughout the entire land of Manumi. What I do not understand is why. And so you have one opportunity to explain yourself. She says this with a quick glance to her right, where your father is seated with his face down. My lady, uh, governess, archmage, elders, you realize I was close to solving all the problems of magic. I just needed a piece of the flame. I hurt no one. No one was harmed except for my friends and, and a couple small golems. There was no crime. Here we are at the School of Magic. Will you punish one for seeking truth? For seeking power? You look around the room and not one of the elders will look you in the eye. Many of them have turned to each other, whispering amongst themselves, shaking their heads. And the look on the governess's face is one of shock. The elves are not like the other races of Manumi, in that we do not hold our people to stringent scripts of law. There is but one edict that our people live by, and that edict is to protect magic the gift of Prevalian, and the lantern beneath our city is the source of all magic in our world. And you risked everything for what? Hubris? Power? From the time our children are born, they are taught of the sacred nature of the lantern of Prevalian, the most precious thing on the face of this world and in some inane attempt to discover or create something new, you have risked everything that we know and hold dear. And in your one opportunity to defend yourself, your one moment to explain yourself, your defense is, I did nothing wrong. I have committed no crime? I have more of a defense. Loric Darkbolt. The Elder Conclave has hereby found you guilty on all counts. In light of your crimes against Venthaven, against magic, and against all elven kind, you shall be henceforth expelled from the College of Magic, banished from Venthaven, banished. Wait, and uh... stripped of all your rights as an heir to the Elder Darkbolt, an heir to this council. You have one day in which to get your affairs in order and leave this city. A city in which you are no longer welcome. Loric starts jittering. But, but uh, can I call on the the elder doctor? You are dismissed. Wait, to, to, def to defend me? What? Father? The conclave sets to going Wait, about their no. business, clearing up. I don't... They're standing up from their desks and leaving. 
none of them pay you a moment's mind. For just a moment, your father looks in your direction, and you meet his eye. But in that glance, you see nothing but vitriol. Lork staggers out of the room. You exit through the giant white doors that you've entered through so many times before, and you set out through Venthaven, making your way home, a path that you've walked hundreds, thousands of times through your life. You see familiar faces, but none of them register. In your ears, you only hear the words, banished, expelled, no longer welcome. And even now, the memories of what you saw, the things that you experienced after you touched the blue flame of the Lantern of Provalian are leaving you. Like a dead man, you stagger home. You enter through the front doors of the Darkbolt Manor. You pass the various servants and workers that you know. You make your way downstairs to your laboratory. You step through those doors where just a few short hours ago you were waiting for your friends as a badger. And standing there, just inside the room, is your mother. Uh, mother? They're sending me You already know, don't you? Where's father? They're sending me away. I don't want to go. She's holding in her hand a small figurine that you keep there. It's a toy that you used to play with as a small child. Yes, son, I heard the news. I'm sure your father will be here soon. You won't let them. You won't let them. She looks up at you, Lorik, and you can see that there are tears in her eyes. Your mother, always the compassionate one and loving, if not the most vocal. Lorik, I- I'm afraid that this time you have done something that even your father can't make go away. I was, I was just trying to, to make the door for him. She walks over to you and she places a small hand on the side of your face. Her hand is very soft. Lorik, I I understand. I I know what you were trying to do. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that... You see, your father... He... And at that very moment, the door swings open. And stepping into the room is Elder Siren Darkbolt. His expression is icy. His silver hair slicked back as it typically is. His back straight as he steps into the room. My son. Father? father? Lightning quick, he slaps you across the face. What? What a disappointment you are. I was I was just trying to, to make something for you. A dark bolt in name alone. You have always been a failure. A black mark on this family. What am I... But now you... What were you thinking? I was trying to power the door for you. I was I was making a magic item. He strikes you across the face again. How dare you? You have brought shame down on our family. And standing here, you have the audacity to blame me for it. I'm not blaming you. Gather your things, boy. You, you don't Gather wanna... your things. Lord just looks at him dumbfounded. He steps very close, right up into your face. I received a message just two days past from a cleric in Branshire of all places. Something about a prophecy. Something about a dark bolt. I dismissed it immediately, as I considered it to be of no importance. 
especially since I'm going nowhere, and there's no chance a vision or prophecy could concern the likes of you. But since you are banished, and since you are leaving tonight from this place, quite possibly to never return, to never see the face of your mother again, I suppose I will send you on this quest. You will go, boy. You'll discover the source of this vision, and you will find uh, if you can be of any use to anyone, anywhere. And perhaps, in your absence, if you are not killed by your foolishness, one day I could make a path for you to return, to at least save a small portion of the Dark Bolt name and our dignity. Father, I... I, I he raises I, a hand as if to strike you. Wait... I'll go, I'll go, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. No more words, Lorik. Our servants will lead you to the south port. You'll sail from there to Barland's Pass, and then make your way to Branshire. I don't want to see you again, uh, unless you receive word from me. He turns and walks toward the door. I'll do it. You'll see. I'll prove that I can do this. I'll bring back something. You'll see. I'll bring back something that you can add to your collection, and then you'll want me to stay. You'll see. He pauses at the door for just a moment. He doesn't turn and look back at you, but he tilts his head just slightly to the side where you can see one bright green eye. I really had hoped that one day You'd grow up past all this foolishness and be worth something to me. I suppose I was the fool in the end. And then he walks out. And there stood Lorik Darkbolt as his father turned his back on him and his mother stood to the side, silently weeping as he prepared to leave everything he had ever known, dishonored, disgraced, banished. But little did he know, this was the first step toward destiny. This has been Make Believe Heroes, the origin story of Lorik Darkbolt, the High Elf Wizard, who would save the world. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. I know that we enjoyed making it. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so on Twitter at MBH Podcast. You can also email us at makebelieveheroespodcast at gmail.com. Of course, if you enjoy what you heard today, many of these effects can be found on battlebards.com. And if you go today and check those sounds out, Using the promo code MBH Podcast, you can get 15% off a subscription for BattleBards Prime. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you on Monday. <laughs>